raise the bar on health, and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. A rainy day special, and a rainy day special for me is, uh, it's not raining right now. Rainy season hasn't started. But it's when I just let you guys choose like three topics, and I find a miraculous way to weave them together into one lecture. So we already have two topics. Is the lovely girl who was in my yoga class Saturday night, is she here? She's not here? Endometriosis? Oh, I got so excited. She's not here. Okay. So, so we won't talk about that. <laughs> what did you have in mind, my dear? Adrenal fatigue. Adrenal fatigue. All right. All right. We can totally weave that in because the other request tonight was sugar. So, yeah. Any others? One more? I'll talk more about it. Don't worry. I'll tell you. I'll t- you don't have to know now. No others? Yeah, go for it. Just food politics. Food politics. I would love to talk about food politics. Yeah, I, I, I'm frequently talking about food politics. It's funny because I, I, I was a political economist back in the day before I did all this health stuff, right? So food politics is definitely at my, my alley. So, yeah, all right. Food politics. Sugar and adrenal fatigue. Let's see how we go. <laughs> Anything else? Last call? No? Good. Okay, so before I go anywhere, I'll introduce myself. Um, welcome again to this space. Welcome to the yoga barn. Has anyone never been to the yoga barn before? You just showed up and you're like, hey, free class. I'm there. Welcome. Awesome. I hope you guys go down and walk through afterwards. We always have a Monday night movie every night, so you can see every Monday night, so you can see that after if you'd like. Uh, as I said, I'm the detox department director here at the yoga barn. And what that means is that I administrate our fasting programs. We have two programs, a three-day cleanse program, which some of the awesome cleansers are here now. And we have a seven-day detox retreat week. And that's starting next week. If you're interested, you can talk to Eva back there, our awesome detox department intern, uh, about that afterwards. But both of these programs are intended to bring people back to themselves in a really deep way to... Uh, practice the science of fasting. At my roots, I'm a natural hygienist, which means I'm someone who practices the science of fasting quite regularly. Yeah, I'm fasting right now. We're having a fasting party on the detox team. I just got back from, I said I was away from uh, seven weeks in Europe, and so you can imagine, like, European life, especially when it's cold, the body's not so happy, and so uh, I'm back in Bali getting happy again, physically. So, um... Sorry if I offended any Europeans. (laughs) So, great. Um, Yeah, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I have a Master's of Science in Ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants. My specialty is gastroethnobotany, which is studying food plants. So stuff like food politics is pretty cool when you look at indigenous people, for example. Um, And everything I do is based on the logic and understanding of fasting. And so I'll just say that to you a little bit. Um, And I didn't say that to you guys this morning, so it's good I'm saying it now. The logic and understanding of fasting is that when we allow the digestive system to shut off, and that's what happens when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter, that's how you would define fasting, 
Yeah? No solid fibrous matter, so you don't eat, right? And you only take in natural liquids, so no Coca-Cola, which we'll talk about in a bit with the sugar lecture. Right? All of a sudden, all of the energy that would normally go to digestion, which is up to 70% of all available energy, it's rerouted to healing and cleansing at a cellular level. And so that's really what we're, we're interested in here at the Yoga Barn, is bringing people back to that foundational source of energy that is your birthright. In yoga, we call it prana. In the martial arts of the Far East, we might call it chi or ki. I call it vitality. That's my little slogan, live for vitality. Live for that energy, that sense of aliveness. And so when people fast, they tend to come back to that. Yeah? So I'm on like day four or something. I'm not sure because I was in an airplane, so there's no day of a fast. And I've worked literally a full entire day. And this is not something I encourage. But just to show you that I feel really good. Which one of you sat down? I think it was you. You sat down and you were like, how are you seeing us all? You're fasting. Right? It's because I run off of this internal source of energy. And so what I try to communicate to people is that this is our birthright. But so many people go throughout life totally disconnected from it today. So when you're really disconnected from it, it results in adrenal fatigue. Right? If you have too much sugar, and we'll talk more detail about that, it definitely disconnects you from that internal source of energy. Right? I don't know how I can connect that to food politics. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. But in general, we find that the more we can connect into it, and so if that's in a yoga class or a qigong class or a tai chi class, or if that's just sitting next to a tree, the more you can connect into that place where you feel powerful without any input, the more powerful you are and the more you discover your inherent power that you already have. I'm going to ask you to save all questions for the end. I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. In the last 15 minutes, I promise. Okay. I gave you your chance for questions, huh? <laughs> so just hold on because I might answer it, all right? So this vitality, again, is your birthright. It's our birthright. It's the feeling that you had when you were like five or six years old. Do you remember jumping out of bed in the morning and you were like, ah, mommy, daddy, let's play. Let's live life. Let's create. Let's do something. Let's have fun. Right? Well, that didn't die in puberty. I promise you that source of energy is still there. And so what I try to help people do is return to it, re-find it, rediscover it, perhaps find the things in the way of allowing you to have that, right? Set up your life so it supports you to have that how and whenever you want. And so I often say that I, I aim to raise the bar on health. And I told you guys this this morning, that people tend to conceptualize health as absence of disease. Have you heard that before? Like, I'm not sick, so I'm healthy. Well, that's kind of lame. Isn't there more? What if you did wake up every morning feeling that, like that five or six-year-old? Right? ready to take on life, that would be something, let's say, worthy of calling health. And so I invite you to embrace this new definition with me, and then we all can get a little bit curious and discover it together. I don't claim to know anything. I'll make that really clear. Yeah, nothing I say is true tonight. The only truth is what comes from you and your own body and your own experience. And so I'll constantly guide you back to that to try to find it. But all I... No, welcome. You guys are awesome. Will you close the door behind you? It's a slider. All I aim to do is uh, to make you ask questions. And so a lot of times I have to say to my students, my goal is 
to leave you with more questions than you started with. And so that's why I always make you leave till the end questions now. Just kidding. Okay, that wasn't funny. So, <laughs> so let's go ahead and start. We'll start with talking about the topic of... Sugar. Let's talk about sugar first. No, no, let's talk about adrenal fatigue first. <laughs> adrenal fatigue. So, all right, your adrenals. Ad means on top of or next to. Renal is kidney, yeah? So where do you think your adrenals are located? Pop quiz. You got it. Come, are you really not answering this? <laughs> on top of your kidneys. Thank you. Thank you. You can always come back. You're always welcome here. On top of your kidneys. So everyone touch here. Yeah? The kidney meridian around 3 to 5 p.m. in the afternoon is active in Chinese medicine. And so this is usually the time, if you have some kind of adrenal fatigue, that you feel a bit of a slump. Anyone? 3 o'clock slump? 3 o'clock cup of coffee? Oh, yeah. Now the hands are going up, right? So a good exercise to waken them up is, you want me to show you? Just soft pounding. Soft, super soft pounding. Just like that. Around 3 o'clock. Not three blocks, so we're, we're not, we don't have to do it too much. But that can activate the chi or the energy to flow to that region again. Because what fatigue means is that there's not much energy flowing there. And that's kind of a holistic medicine, perhaps a Chinese medicine approach to it. If we were to take more of a Western medicine approach, right, they would say that you're literally burning yourself out. And so the adrenals are part of our endocrine system. All right, the endocrine system is the glandular system. It's from where hormones are secreted. So you might know other ones like the thymus or the thyroid, the parathyroid. You've heard of these, the pineal gland. Yeah, the gonads, those are the sex glands, right? We have them all throughout our body. Of no coincidence, they correlate directly to the chakras. You know the chakras? You're in a yoga studio, so I can talk about stuff like this. They're spinning wheels of energy, yeah, throughout the body. In the system of yoga, we have seven principal ones. Right? Other systems have eight or ten, so on and so forth. But the chakras in yoga correlate almost perfectly to our glands. And so there's a bit of argument about the adrenals, whether they're second chakra or third chakra. I'm pretty sure they're third chakra. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was funny, right? I'm saying, I'm sure about yoga. You guys are not a laughing group. You're allowed to laugh, and I will talk about poop. Those are the ground rules. All right, so third chakra. You know what third chakra represents? Yeah, it represents like yourself at, at the utmost, right? So third chakra, hey, that welcome. Third chakra can be this. Have you ever seen anyone like this? How does that person feel about themselves? Tell me. Shit. Well, I love it. Yes, they feel shit about themselves. All right, now how about the opposite? Ready? Fantastic. <laughs> they feel fantastic about themselves. A little bit of overactivity in the third chakra, for sure. And so we can start to see that which one of those people would probably have adrenal fatigue. Mm. Give me another guess. <laughs> There's only two answers. <laughs> yeah, the one with the chest out, right? The one who's perhaps too active, the one who's perhaps too stressed, right? Because this isn't only... Like, I'm amazing. This is also, you're not amazing. And you are amazing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I pointed at someone. You're not amazing. <laughs> Love it. Hey, you see what I'm saying now? Uh, I feel bad about that. I'll give you a hug after, okay? 
So the thing is, when we start to balance here in the third chakra, I'm giving, I gave you the Chinese answer, I'm giving you the Indian answer, right, we'll go to the Western answer. When we start to balance here, we also are balanced. So we don't have those times where we feel shit about ourselves, excuse my French, right? We don't have those times where we are really putting others down and putting ourselves up and thereby stressing and taking things too seriously, if you will, right? We're somewhere balanced in the middle. And when we're balanced in how we see the world, we're balanced in our life and our health. And that was a really simple phrase, but I'm going to say it again. When we're balanced in how we see the world and the situations presented to us, right? We're not thinking we're better than others and we're not down on ourselves. Right? We're balanced. We're balanced in our health. Yeah? And so what that means is that who has a really shit job? Oh my God, I love you. No one raised their hand. I'm her boss. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, you work a nine to five? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Four more. Okay. I work a hundred hours a week. Very good. So it's probably stressful, right? There are times where you have to be like this or else you're going to crumble, maybe. Yeah? That's my guess. So in those kind of jobs, would you guess that this symptom of adrenal fatigue is common? Yeah. yeah, this is obvious stuff. I'm not gonna ask you a pop quiz unless it's obvious. I won't ask you any hard questions, I promise. So we start to see a connection, and this is nothing you don't know. When you're overworked, overstressed, right, you tend to get adrenal fatigue, right? It's called burnout. Now, the governing part of this, and now we're gonna get a little physiological, I put an extra syllable in there, did you hear? Physiological, we're going to go into the nervous system, which is inherently interrelated with the endocrine system. Literally, our physiology cannot be taken apart, but of course, Western anatomy and physiology likes to have things in nice little pretty packages that we separate. But these things are inseparable. So who knows about the nervous system? Any yoga teachers in here? There's no yoga teachers? Are we in Ubud? Come on. Why don't you raise your hand, Tamara? Oh, <laughs> Heidi. <laughs> okay, so yoga teachers know a lot about the nervous system because the biggest gift that we can give you as a yoga teacher is the switch on and off between the two main parts of the autonomic nervous system. So we have our central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord. And then we have the branching parts, which are the sensory nervous system. In the part called the autonomic nervous system, you've probably heard these words before, ready? Sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic. All right, let's try that again. Flight or fight, relaxation response. You've heard this concept? If I'm losing you, just raise your hand and I'll come grab you. Okay, so these are the two essence parts of who and how you are physiologically in the world. All right, they govern what else switches on and off in the body, okay? So when you want to eat, you better be in the relaxation response, right? When you want to run 10 miles, unless you're breathing really calmly, right, you're going to be in the active response, all right? When you want to take a poop, you've got to be in the relaxation response. If you have an orgasm, you're in the active response, you see? So we're always switching back and forth between the two, the relaxation response and the activation response, all right? And the thing is, it's really healthy to go back and forth between these and to know which one you're in. But guess what humans do in this 21st century world? The switch is almost broken. We're right here. And the activation, the flight or fight, 
almost all the time. And so that's why I say that's the biggest gift that a yoga teacher can give you. You know that feeling after Shavasana? When you get up and you're like, <sighs> that breath, trademark of the parasympathetic nervous system. Right? That relaxation response. Of no coincidence, the work I do is healing work. Well, the relaxation response has to be active for healing to happen. The thing that happens when we fast, those of us in the room fasting, is anyone else fasting who's not a cleanser, not Eva or me? No? You guys didn't hear that this is the new age of not eating? <laughs> Someone said that last night. We met a girl, and she said that Ubud's the capital of not eating now, which I find very funny. But okay, I'll go on. So when we fast automatically, after a period of time, the parasympathetic nervous system switches on and becomes more active, which is amazing, because we spend most of our lives not in it. Yeah? Who's ever had crazy nightmares when they sleep? They've woken up a bunch of times in the night, they roll over back and forth, they talk in their sleep, they snore horribly loudly. So these are all symbols that the sympathetic nervous system is still active even during sleep. Yeah, so checking your sleep habits is really important. You want to be calm and restored to have restorative sleep. Right? So where is this going? In, in terms of the endocrine system, that was the glandular system, the adrenal glands, which what kind of hormone do you think they secrete? There we go. That one was easy. Adrenaline. You see that from adrenal? Yeah? Adrenaline, that's a big hormone running through the bloodstream. A hormone is just a chemical that gives the body a certain signal to do something. So when the adrenals secrete adrenaline, it's because this happened, right? Our flight or fight activation turned on. The example that I like to give people is if a bear jumped in this room right now, right? It climbs over the glass and it goes, Rah! that way, that's a lion. What do bears, what sound do bears make? I've been out of the West, yeah? Okay. <laughs> Lived in the tropics too long. So bear, a bear jumps in, what would you do? Be honest. Yeah, some of you would pee in your pants. <laughs> or poo, right? You would run. But before you run, you would probably go like this. <gasps> right? So what happened in my body there? <clears throat> do it again. Yeah, tightness, okay. So tightness, which means muscular activation, right? This <gasps> shortness of breath, right? These are all symbols of the sympathetic nervous system being activated. And then I'm going to make the mental choice to either flight or fight. You see that? Both of those actions need blood flow to my limbs, my muscles. You see that? So that's what happens. It's a blood flow reaction. So now we're into the circulatory system, right? We're hitting all physiological systems. Right? The flow of the blood is going to dictate who, what, where, when, how. Okay? So as the blood flows to the muscles, we have this power to run away like crazy fast or to stay and be strong and fight. Okay? So flight or fight. So this is all very much so interrelated to that secretion of adrenaline. Because guess what's going to keep you running after 10 kilometers? Right? The adrenaline. It sends this signal to the brain. Okay, everything's okay. Right? Don't think that you're freaking out. Don't freak out. Everything's okay. It like, keeps you at this false sense of okay. So that you can continue. Because without that boost of adrenaline, you would get tired. 
And so when this habit happens all day, every day, stressful boss, right? stressful city life, stressful driving in a car, traffic, right? pressure on you from your family, from your boyfriend, right? from your friends, expectation to be someone in the world, to get a job, to have kids. Why aren't you married yet? You're 37. You have 14 cats. You see? That's pressure in the world. Right? The way that we see the world, and this is the sentence that I repeated before, remember? The way that we see the world is going to dictate how we are in the world. And so if you live under that mode of thinking that I just spoke through, you know, the thing with 14 cats and all that pressure, if that's how you see the world, like, why am I not married? Why don't I have a job? Or I hate my boss. This is so horrible. Then that's going to manifest in the body. And it's going to put you into that sympathetic, that flight or fight setting almost all the time. If you see the world differently, oh yeah, this is my boss. What a challenge. I know that she or he is like that. How can I be peaceful with it? How can I make it work with me, for me? Or yeah, my mom's asking why I'm not married. When you say mom, because I'm happy. <laughs> why did no one laugh at that one? You guys are killing me. Okay, you see that? <laughs> so we, I'm glad I'm making myself laugh more than anyone else. When we look at this and we start to see how we can change our perspective and change our mind, we have a direct result on our physiology. So how you see the world is how you are in the world. Yeah? If you have adrenaline running through your bloodstream along with the other stress hormones like cortisol, right? then all of a sudden you're going to see the world as a stressor. It's something you need to fight or flight away from. Does that make sense? So your perspective is actually the most powerful thing. Yeah? If you have adrenal fatigue and you go to a Western doctor, they'll probably tell you to go home and relax, which is good. Like, uh, that's, I'm really happy, actually, with that. But they won't necessarily be able to say it in a way that you'll be able to hear it. Yeah? And so, um, I'm not sure really what you wanted to hear about adrenal fatigue, but before I finish, I, I want to show you one of the physically biggest things you can do to calm adrenal fatigue. And I'll link it back into physiology. All right, no one, Michael's not here to demonstrate, so I'll demonstrate here. This is called Viparita Karani. It is my favorite yoga posture. Yeah, looks like that, and eventually like that. Legs up the wall. Rough translation from Sanskrit. So, slowly getting out of it. What's happening there is, first of all, what's flowing down? Yeah, thanks. You got, you got the hang of the easy question thing. Blood. Blood and lymph. All right, so the other part of the circulatory system. So what did we say about blood before? Where, where blood goes, yeah, the energy goes, just like when it went away and the muscles. So blood's flowing down to where? The pelvis, all right. And the pelvis is pretty close to the adrenals. So we're getting some oxygen, some nourishment in that area. Right, to the kidneys, perhaps. So that's one benefit. Right? Also, we have epicenters of our nervous system at different parts of the body. We have one at the base of our skull. We have one at the front of the forehead. And we have a big one right here around the sacral area. Again, the same kind of area. The place where everything is flowing to. 
Well, when we have the back of the head on the floor and the sacrum really grounded in that position, we're getting this great feeling of switching to the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation response. And so what ends up happening when you put your legs up the wall is within two minutes, you feel like you could fall asleep. It's great. And so I prescribe my patients this quite regularly, twice a day, 15 minutes. If that's first thing when you wake up, middle of the day or before you go to sleep, this is one of the most physiologically powerful poses that you could ever dream of. What it is physically is an inversion, which means that the head is slightly below the heart. Right? But most inversions, you know, like in yoga, headstand, most inversions are a bit unstable. And if you don't know how to breathe well, or if you don't have your muscle trains connected to one another, so you're wobbling like that, that's going to trigger the sympathetic nervous system. You see that? So what we're doing in this pose is getting the benefits of an inversion with a beautiful relaxation of the parasympathetic, the relaxation response part of the nervous system. So cure adrenal fatigue, change your perspective, right? Maybe change your job if that's necessary. Tell your mom you're happy and put your legs up the wall. And also remember this balance. Get an astrology reading. Okay. Is that good? Yeah? Is that, are you happy? Okay. Love it. Great. So, um, I mean, I'm not a herbalist, right? I'm, I'm an ethnobotanist, but a herbalist would tell you that there are XYZ kinds of herbs that you could take to tone your adrenals. Um, to me, that's kind of the same thing as allopathic medicine, right? It's, it's dosing you something to fix something rather than going to the core of what your problem is. So, yeah. You can just Google herbs for adrenals if you're interested. They can help with the process, but they will not get the core imbalance. All right, so let's move on then to sugar. Because the thing is, sugar. Anyone had sugar before? (laughs) All right, good. I'm glad I got some laughter on that one. Everyone in this world has had sugar today. Can you believe? Tribute to my, my mother. God bless her. She raised my brother the first year of his life. He had absolutely no sugar. And then by the second year, he made up for it. <laughs> and then all throughout his like, first 18 years of life, he only ate pasta and like, hot dogs and spaghetti. <laughs> Good old American. Yeah. It was actually SpaghettiOs for any Americans in here. Okay. So, <laughs> never mentioned SpaghettiOs. Good old canned food in my health talks before. This is an evening of firsts. So anyway, getting back to the concept of sugar, yes, everyone today has had it. Since the 1500s, this has been one of the biggest exports in time. And I looked back because I gave a sugar lecture. I called it the sugar question. I gave a whole lecture um, in August. And I have it. I'll post it on my uh, podcast channel. But uh, I think I went over people's heads. And my biggest goal in this room is to not go over people's heads. I know I sit on a stool. But that's just because I want to see. I want to see you guys. It's nothing about me. It's just I want to make eye contact with every one of you. So um, I mean, I went into talking about glucose and sucrose and fructose and everything like that. I explained everything about triglycerides and the bloodstream. And I'm. I don't think that it really got to people. So I'm going to try to keep it a bit more basic and something you can grasp. If you do feel that you want to up level, that recording will be available, and you guys can check that out. But the basic question was about sugar and how it works in the body different kinds of sugar, and how that leads to perhaps bacterial imbalances. 
So that's what we're going to talk about for this next part of the lecture. Um, I started last time I gave this lecture talking about the history of sugar, right? How it was an export all over the world through colonialism. I don't think that really interested interested people, but uh, we start. Where does sugar come from? Tell me. Okay, sugar cane. Cool. Have you seen sugar cane? You're in the tropics. Search it out. It looks a lot like bamboo, except it's skinnier, right? Grass family. Skinnier and sometimes purple or even black, okay? So the sugar cane, cane, grows like this, right? When I lived in China, I used to chew on it. Really nice to chew on it. Inside, you have a lot of vegetable fibrous matter, okay? So let's go on the journey from sugar cane to the white powdered stuff, because that's what it is, right? White powdered stuff, kind of like other white powdered stuff. No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Vodka jokes, cocaine jokes. I definitely just came back from Europe. <laughs> I was not doing those <laughs> I don't need to explain myself. So when we have the sugar cane, we take it from the stock and we put it through a machine, perhaps. Have you seen these? They have them in Bali. Crank, crank, crank. What it does is it separates the vegetable fibrous matter from the juice. And the juice is a beautiful light green color. Have you drunk sugarcane juice? Really nice and sweet. Not, though, as sweet as sugar at all. And then that juice is evaporated. So all of the water from the plant is taken away and you're left with some crystals. These crystals are usually a light taupe color, like the color of the bottom of the door or something like that. Right? And these crystals are what you would call raw sugar. You've seen that? It was very popular throughout the 90s, sugar in the raw. So this raw sugar is then processed, it's put through a millery, it's refined, it's brushed, it's combed until it's teeny, teeny small granules, okay? And these granules then are often bleached with white bleach, like you know from your clothes, and then it's packaged up and sent away. And so what you would get in, let's say, a handful of sugar powder versus maybe holding a little stick of the sugar cane, is, let's say, at least 100 times concentrated, if not more. Yeah? I'm not sure what the science behind that is. I, it might be like 500 times concentrated. I'll look that up and tell you. Okay? So we see that these are very different things. And sugar is often what I use to explain a concept that I call derived foods. Derived foods are things that are no longer in their whole food form. All right? So, for example... The sugar cane is a whole food. Everything that was there is there, so when I'm chewing on it in China, my body understands what's going on. Yeah? Like a mango. A mango is a whole food. Right? The minute that I take out the water and make dried mango, it's actually not a whole food. Right? If you go and order some pastry from down the street, is that a whole food? No. Okay, so we get the point. Right? A plant, let's say in its natural state, could be one definition of a whole food, or a part of a plant, if it's the fruit, or if it's the cane, right, whatever it is, the stalk. So we start to see that uh, when we don't have whole foods, we have derived foods, our body doesn't understand it. And this is a pretty broad spectrum general statement that I'm confident in. Yeah? And don't believe me, verify me, right? test it out on your body. You go eat that cake down the street, ask your body, hey, do you understand that? It's probably going to say, ugh. <laughs> which is a no. <laughs> Come to my food combining lecture in a few weeks. Hey, nice to see you, Nicole. 
And you can hear more about, this is a veteran of the detox department, everyone, Nicole Siebel. <laughs> Woo! So, your body doesn't understand, all right? But when you give your body whole foods, it understands. Well, the thing is, when your body doesn't understand, you take in something like sugar, the reaction, physiologically, is inflammation. Have you heard that word? It's becoming more and more popular in uh, the holistic health world, which is really good. Inflammation, by definition, is excess blood flow to an area. So it's the same thing that would happen if someone broke their arm. What's it start to do? Swell. It swells up, exactly. Right? So excess blood flow to the area. Well, what's blood? As we said before, blood is life force oxygen-carrying fluid. Right? It's also disinfectant, right? one of the best we have. So it's trying to heal itself. This is the natural thesis, or the natural thesis. This is the inherent thesis of natural medicine, is that the body wants to heal itself, and that the body's able to heal itself at any time. And so when you take in something that the body does not recognize, for example, a refined product such as sugar, there's inflammation that starts going, not only in the digestive tract, but unfortunately, all over the body. And this inflammation is the body's healing response. So like Nicole did the detox retreat week 12, 13 months ago. And we have in the detox retreat week before and after photos where we take pictures of people's faces. It's pretty cool to see. If you guys want to see some, maybe you can ask Eva. Maybe if she's nice enough, she'll show you some. Right? But the biggest thing that we start to notice in before and after, of course, less bags under the eyes, less wrinkles, things like this as they're hydrating actually we also see a big difference in the amount of inflammation. It's like someone's face shrinks, right? Because all of a sudden, the excess blood flow to the cells in the body reacting to whatever the person was taking in, they're fasting, they're not taking in anything, right? It calms down and it goes back to its rightful place. Now I'm gonna put this into a scenario, and this is something I teach in the detox, about gluten, and I won't say too much about gluten, but you guys, have you heard of gluten? Yes? So this is the protein in wheat. Um, commercial wheat today is a very different plant than it once was in the wild. And so when it's refined and processed, like you know, flour dough or bread or pasta or pizza or that pastry that you had down the street, right? almost everything is made of gluten today. When that comes into the body, right, the body responds with Inflammation, I love you. Inflammation, yes. And so the classic example that I love to call people's attention to because somehow today people, it's not obvious to them, is the Santa Claus body. Have you seen or do you know or is it your father, a man with a big old belly, looks like he's nine months pregnant, yeah? And you would say he's fat, right? He would say, I've gained the pounds, right? I put on some weight. But there's... There's not really fat anywhere else in his body. It's just right here. You see that? If he were actually fat, it would be evenly distributed. So what's right here? The intestines. Yes, I give a whole lecture on digestion in the detox retreat. We talk a lot about the intestines. Well, what's right there are literally swollen intestines. Right? That's inflammation. That's the reaction. Send your dad to me. Right? <laughs> God bless all the fathers out there, right? And within a period of three days, he'll see his belly go like this, this, right? And then after seven days, after 10 days, 
He's like, oh, I'm a new man, right? And when someone can see that quick of a change, they understand that that's not fat. Yeah? So again, verify me, don't believe me. And this inflammatory response is the biggest thing that I would say about sugar. If we're talking about white processed refined sugar, which is indeed one of the biggest drugs dealt in the world today. Right? Remember that white powdered stuff? This is also white powdered stuff. Because what happens in the human body is it's not only not understood by the digestive tract, but what happens in the blood is obviously a big old spike. You've heard of the sugar high? And so we start to understand that um, sugar has a very big morphing effect on our physiology. All right? This is the classic like kids at kindergarten. You go to lunch, they have all this sugar, and they go back after lunch, and ah, they're crazy. Right? And then what happens? Oh, they crash. Exactly. So that's because the blood sugar level spiked too fast and then went down. So the thing is that the sugar, when it's in that powdered form, it's absorbed very fast into the bloodstream, especially when it's in a liquid form like some kind of soda or soft drink. Does anyone still drink sodas? <laughs> I love that. There are like, people like hesitating. Like, can I? <laughs> this is a room of non-judgment. There's only love here and learning. Love and learning. Okay? And laughter and poop. No, there's no poop in this room. I'm just kidding. All right. So as the blood sugar spikes, we see that it's from either this liquid source or this highly concentrated source of sugar. All right? Well, let's talk about another sugar. All right? And I say sugar in scare quotes because it's unfortunate. In the world of today, the modern world, we have one word for sugar found in foods naturally occurring, right? fructose, glucose, right? and for sugar, which is sucrose. Right? This is a combination of the two. Right? So the sugar that's white and the sugar that's in a mango, right? we call them both sugar. But they're very, 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 very different things. Right? The thing is that the sugar in the mango is not only naturally occurring, we talked about that whole food thing, right? but also it's, it's like frozen in this matrix of fibrous matter that when you eat it, the body has to stop and take apart all of that fibrous matter as well as, of course, absorb the water in the mango. A mango is mostly water. To be able to absorb then the sugar. And so this is a much slower process than that hit of white powdered stuff. So we start to see that, okay, the body doesn't really process them the same. If we're talking about glucose versus fructose, Right? We might talk about the processing through the liver, but I, I, I don't want to get into organs or too detailed. I want to stay to the bloodstream and stay simple. So what ends up happening is that when we have the fruit, right, the sugar does go into the bloodstream, right, and it should go to the cell. But it does it in a really, like, it's like a... <laughs> I, sometimes I make ridiculous analogies. It's like Mother Nature is a responsible drug dealer. Right? If sugar is the, is the drug, right, she's only going to dose out a little bit at a time. Yeah, it's not this concentrated mass. You see? The guys dealing white sugar are irresponsible drug dealers. Yeah, and I'm not saying mangoes are drugs. Some of you might disagree as mango seasoner. 
comes in Bali. But in general, we see that the way that it's dosed into the bloodstream is very different. The effect on the body is very different. Okay? So, uh, what I also want to say is that the fruit sugar, you know what it's called chemically? Fructose. There we go. And the, for the past five years, I've seen a lot more people diagnosing themselves with fructose. What is it? Fructose intolerance. And um, the truth is that they have a few other things going on. And they're just calling it fructose intolerance. Right? But the thing is that uh, when we have fructose in the body, we definitely get it through fruit. But who knows the number one source of fructose in the human body today? It has four words. The third one is corn. Very good. You can come back too. High fructose. Oh, was that you? You? <laughs> I love you both. High fructose corn syrup. Have you heard of this? It was a horrible idea that came out of the United States, yeah, late last century, in which they said sugar's expensive and we don't produce it here in the United States. Sugar's expensive and we don't produce it in the United States. Right? What can we produce that would, you know, be equivalent so that we don't have to import? So if you want to get into food economics, now I bring in it. Food politics? All right. So the United States decided to find a way. It was actually in Japan where this happened, surprisingly, but the United States gobbled it up immediately because we have so much corn. <laughs> and so they found a way to take the sugar out of corn, which, can I go on a tangent? Are you with me? Corn is actually a totally unnatural plant. The first ear of corn was the size of the edge of your pinky. Yeah? Humans, specifically in Latin America, bred it and bred it and bred it until it's that big now. Some places in the United States. And so the body inherently doesn't understand that. The cell wall around the seeds, the kernels, the fruit of the corn, are too thick for you to digest. Anyone ever seen corn in their poo? All right, well, that's why. Okay, so but back to the corn. Now that we know that it's already not a natural plant as it is, right? and that doesn't mean stop eating corn. I mean, I'm not about that. Right? When you grind it into a masa like they do in Guatemala and you make tortillas, it comes into the body not necessarily as nourishment, but definitely as starch, as calories. So, <laughs> I'm going to make my Latina joke. But my people survive out of corn. <laughs> okay. Sorry, any Latinas. Okay, so we have here an ear of corn, and we're going to decide to extract, end of tangent, yeah, extract the sweetness. Yeah? High fructose corn syrup, the fructose from corn. And we're going to do the same thing as we did with that cane of sugar. We're going to concentrate it so much that we have this great little sticky substance that's super, super sweet. Way sweeter than corn, right? Arguably sweeter than sugar, at least in what happens in the human body, right? Because this is fructose. This is pure fructose. It's not sucrose, the combination of glucose and fructose. It's straight up fructose. So, we have this fructose coming in the body, and normally the body would have fructose absorbed with the mango, right? With that water and the fiber, it would be slow, but when it comes in in just fructose, all of a sudden it goes straight to the bloodstream, and you have that sugar high. Alright? So, high fructose corn syrup, where do we find it? Shout it out. Everything. Everything. Alright, you guys are cheaters. <laughs> and everything. Huh? All processed foods. Okay, so maybe in Europe, I can say after investigating over most of Europe in the past few weeks, 
that not as much as in North America or in Australia, perhaps. Uh, and we find that, yes, for sure, it's used in processed foods. Right? Where's the biggest source of high fructose corn syrup? I'll give you two guesses. Very good soda. And the other one has to do with Halloween? Candy. Candy. All right, you got it right. There we go. Soda and candy. All right. Welcome to any child's life in the 21st century. And so this is really dangerous stuff. And the thing is that fructose in high fructose corn syrup from corn, we call it the same thing as the fructose in sugar, in fruit sugar, sorry. But as we just covered, they're not processed the same in the body. So what happens today is that there are tons of studies done on the effect of high fructose corn syrup in the body, or specifically fructose. Because any time you're going to study on fructose, you don't use a mango. You use an extracted variety of fructose that's a lot more like high fructose corn syrup than it is like a mango. Right? So there are all these studies coming out. Like I just read one that says that 20 minutes after drinking soda, you will actually have a decrease in neurological activity. It'd be stupider. Yeah. So there's tons of ones that show that when you take in soda, right, you're you're gonna gain weight. And there's a lot more behind that and the metabolism of the sugar, but we won't go into that for tonight. What I'm trying to say to you is that there are so many studies talking to you about the dangers of fructose. Unfortunately, somehow we forgot that these are not the same thing. Because have you ever heard someone say, fruit makes you fat? I'm sorry if that was not understandable with the accent. Fruit makes you fat. Have you heard that? Or don't eat fruit, it's too much sugar. Yeah, so I'm I'm not even talking holistic health food movement. I'm talking mainstream, right? Because the chemical, this word fructose is the same, people assume that the body recognizes it or doesn't the same. And that's simply not the case. Because remember, Mother Nature is the greatest chef of all time. And she's prepared for you that mango in all of its entirety in a way that your body will understand and know and be able to absorb and use. And so, a lot of the studies on fructose have made us think that fruit is the same. And that's simply, simply, simply not true. A lot of my studies in evolutionary anthropology, my master's was under the Department of Anthropology, I was going back like three or so million years to where we branched off from the family of great apes, you know, bonobos, orangutans, you know, with whom we still share like 98% of our DNA. That's a lot of DNA to share. 98, but that's almost like 100%, right? And when we go into a zoo and we say, hey, what do you feed these bonobos in the zoo? Or what do you feed these orangutans or these chimpanzees? They'll say, well, tons of fruit and leafy green vegetables. Well, okay, maybe we can learn from that. But those are the foods that our digestive system understands and knows. Have you ever heard that fruits and vegetables are good for you? Well, now you know why. But at that time, we were living in a tropical fruit forest around the equator, kind of like Bali, although we don't have as much fruit here as we, we once did, let's say. And in that environment, we were able to feed ourselves and sustain ourselves through fruits and leafy green vegetables. However, then, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, humans migrated to the far north and south latitudes of the world, where we no longer had that tropical fruit forest. And so we started eating other things to survive. 
Thank God for the ingenuity of the human brain. Right? We developed in certain ways. Certain things changed. That's why we no longer look like bonobos. We act like them sometimes, though, for sure. So at that time, then, our diet also changed. And so fast forward to today, where we have not only the advent of agriculture 10,000 years ago, where we started eating grains, you know, these kinds of foods that need to be processed somehow, cooked or sprouted or something so that we can get the starch out of them, yeah? Fast forward even more. You go to the industrial era, right? We started eating canned foods and packaged foods, right? We even did this naturally, pickling and jarring, right? Fast forward even more. High fructose corn syrup, welcome to the show, <laughs> right? We see that we've very much lost our way. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're seeing rates of diet-related disease, diet and lifestyle-related disease, higher than ever before. A lot of that is to do with perhaps adrenal fatigue, sugar consumption. And so when we have these elated rates of disease, we have to say, wait a minute, we're not doing something right. Humans are the only animals, and we are animals, if you missed that in science class. <laughs> we, are, we are in the species animals, we're not vegetable nor mineral. We are the only animal species that needs a nutritionist. All other species know what to eat. All other species understand that their diet is pretty similar. And so in my job, right, I have a pretty hard job because I get to see you for an hour and then you leave. <laughs> right? So my only dietary advice that I actually give people is eat more fruits and vegetables. And whatever you think more is, three times that. And when you fill your diet with the food that your body knows how to process, all of a sudden, the food like that pastry down the street that your body said no to, uh, right, no, it starts to fall away because you start to listen to what it's like to feel good. And that's big. That's really big. All right, so, mm, all right, let's go from here into what I think the real question was, uh, which was about the blood chemistry because we'll move from the mainstream world into the holistic health world. So has anyone ever heard of something called Candida albicans? Oh, not very many of you. Okay, cool. So, wow. Candida, no? For the rest of you, no? All right, that's a good test case study for me. So I think that's what this question was about because the thing is, um, sometimes, especially people who are more conscious and on the health journey, they find that they have symptoms that they can't explain. All right, I'm gonna name these symptoms and I want you to just check them off your own list. You don't have to raise your hand. Things like, ready, bloating, yeah, fatigue, foggy-headedness, right? General, woo, collapsing after meals, right? A feeling of just lethargy, right? Bloated belly, right? Sometimes a smelliness, dandruff, that crusty in the little corner of your eyes. Fungal growths, if that's athlete's foot or on different parts of your body. A big coating on your tongue, right? Bad breath. I could go on and on, but I'll stop there. <laughs> okay, so these are usually symptoms of some kind of bacterial imbalance in your body. Most people today, like toenail fungus, that's a good one that I left off, <laughs> have these. Yeah. I've read studies that say about 95% of women living in the Western world eating a Western diet have overgrowth of this specific bacteria called Candida albicans, all right? And so it's, it's essentially, in essence, a yeast, all right? And the bacterial imbalance, not having enough good bacteria, 
gives it a big playground to play in. And yeasts are incredible beings. Does anyone know how to ferment things? You've like brew makers or anything like that, right? Yeasts are able to grow exponentially in size. Their colonies duplicate. They double in size in like a half hour. Specifically candida albicans, right? And so this one that we're going to be talking about, it's found, candida, it's found in the intestines of every human being. It's a natural part of our makeup of the intestines, right? We have more than three trillion bacteria, right? And it's in there as a yeast, and it's also found in the vaginal tract. I won't, I won't point. <laughs> in the vaginal tract, all right? So thrush, yeah, raise your hand for thrush. You've heard of this, yeast infection. Raise your hands, and this is my case study. Okay, so a lot more of you than have heard, <laughs> the guys are like, no, never heard of it. <laughs> so this is the same exact yeast that we're talking about. Thrush is one of the other symptoms that I didn't mention of overgrowth of the Candida albicans bacteria, okay? And so, guys, this is more prevalent also for you than you notice because if 95% of women have it, the moment you kiss her or you sleep with her or you share any kind of bodily fluid with her, right, all of a sudden you're spreading that candida. And the guy, if he doesn't have a strong immune system, which is very hand-in-hand -hand with a high back, good bacterial balance in his body, and most people don't have that today because of how many antibiotics we're exposed to, both in pill form as well as in hand soap form as well as in shampoo form as well as in food form, etc., etc. Those antibiotics kill off our good bacteria, leaving us in a huge imbalance of bad bacteria. Right? So that's another cause of bloating, for sure. But this imbalance leaves the body ripe for further imbalances, like the overgrowth of this yeast. Okay? So the thing is, what do yeasts eat? Tell me. Yeah, has anyone made kombucha? Yeah? Oh, wow, a lot of you knew kombucha. What world are we living in? So yes, kombucha, that great old mushroom drink from Russia where it's fermented. It's supposed to be a probiotic. Most people make it too sweet today. Right? They're making it with white sugar, unfortunately. Anyway, side note. So when we have a yeast, it eats sugar. Yeah? And so the thing is, when you take sugar in and there's too much sugar in your bloodstream, maybe we had one of those concentrated ones like white sugar, right? high fructose corn syrup, all of a sudden, the candida albicans is going to multiply and multiply really fast, exponentially, so that it can eat all of the excess sugar out of the blood. Because it doesn't want you to have high blood sugar. That's really unstable. You see that? So does that make sense so far? All right. Well, the thing is that when people have too much sugar in the blood, save the question for 10 minutes, okay? When people have too much sugar in their bloodstream, the candida comes to eat it, and then it dies off, right? Because after yeast exponentially grow, they die. And it's actually not the exponential growth, but rather the death of this specific yeast that causes all of the symptoms. Right? So that's why it's not directly after you eat, but maybe 20 minutes later. And so we start to see, or even longer after, we start to see that there's a pattern here. Right? You eat something that's sugary, your body can't process it, there's too much sugar in the bloodstream because it was too concentrated of a dose, Right? And then the candida comes to eat it all out of the bloodstream. Right? And then it dies off, you have your symptoms. Right? This is the, the habitual imbalance. And I'm sure that most of you have symptoms and 
probably don't know it, and I'm not diagnosing you of anything. Right? I recommend that you have probiotics to try to balance out your immune system and your own flora. But, and that's in food form as well as pill form. But when we look at this, the thing that people would say then is, oh, you have an overgrowth of bacteria or you have an overgrowth of candida albicans yeast. Giggle. Stop eating sugar. That's what they say. I think there's a spider or a lizard or something. <laughs> oh, the sugar! Maybe they just had sugar. All right. So when you have too much sugar in your bloodstream, candida comes and eats it. So then people stop and they say, well, stop eating sugar. Have you heard that? Any of you who raised your hand for candida? Right? They tell you, stop eating sugar. All right. We're talking about mostly this processed version that's really concentrated because that's why it wouldn't be able to move through the bloodstream. So, yeah, I mean, I told you I wouldn't say anything, but stop eating sugar. <laughs> I hope that that's, a, that's like an undernote of what I'm saying between the inflammation, right, the imbalance, the unnaturalness, the body being confused. Okay, good. So don't worry, I'll tell you what to eat instead. So the thing is that they also apply this. Am I out of time? Oh, my God, I'm out of time. Oh, where did the time go? Okay, I'm going to go really fast. I don't know about food politics. When they apply this to the human body and they say stop eating sugar, they also tend to include fruit sugar. Remember we already talked about the big difference there, that fruit sugar has this water in the fibrous matrix, that it's not going to be in the bloodstream very long, that it can go straight to the cell. It's dosed out by that responsible drug dealer called Mother Earth. God, I hope no one ever quotes me on that. <laughs> okay, so they're not the same. But those people in the mainstream holistic health movement, which if you haven't noticed yet, I'm not really in the mainstream of anything, quite a renegade. Those people are saying, those people, they're saying stop eating all kinds of sugars, including fruit. Right, so we're back to the fruit is dangerous kind of thing. Well, what happened to the, that's the food that feeds us? And the thing is that it's actually impossible to stop eating sugars. Because the brain, human brain, runs off of glucose, simple sugar. Everything we eat, even if it's a steak, is broken down. I'm not condemning, I mean, I'm not telling you to eat steak, let me be clear. Everything is broken down into sugars. It takes a lot more energy to break a steak down than it does a mango. I have a mango steak next time. <laughs> Watermelon steak, it's a real thing. All right, so we start to see the big old difference, all right? Well, let's go back to the holistic health stream movement and why they say don't eat sugar. Because if sugar from fruit is still causing a problem, then when we, have to, we have to keep asking questions, essentially, because we know that that fruit sugar isn't going to stay in the bloodstream long unless it's condensed, like if it's a dried fruit, right? Something like a date. That's a very concentrated version of sugar. The actual date has a lot more water in it, et cetera, et cetera. So we say, well, wait a minute, why is it staying in the bloodstream? Why isn't the sugar getting directly to the cell? Well, somehow it's blocked. So my question for you guys is, what clogs the bloodstream? Anyone ever heard of triglycerides? No? So this, right, you might know it as cholesterol, right, another version or form. Anyone had a grandfather with a triple bypass surgery, or maybe it's your dad? Oh, I feel bad for your dad, yeah. So, fat. You see that? Fat clogs the bloodstream. When you take coconut oil 
home from Bali and you bring it to a cold place, what happens? It hardens, it solidifies. So when you have too much fat, it starts to solidify inside of the body, harden right, and clog the bloodstream. Right? Or if I mix oil and vinegar, right, they don't mix, but you get these little bubbles of oil. right? And so we start to see that fat is very clogging, especially oil, which is 100% fat. It's not a whole food, any kind of oil. And so when we have, this is the, the thesis, the drum roll, when we have too much fat in the bloodstream, the sugars, no matter what kind of sugar, fruit sugar, high fructose corn syrup, white sugar, it cannot go through, it cannot pass through the bloodstream to go to the cell. Wah, wah. So what we're left with is too much sugar suspended in the bloodstream, right? Hit me up. <laughs> oh, the jokes never stop. I'm sorry, this is so inappropriate. I'm embracing this from the recording. All right, when you have too much fat in the bloodstream, the sugar cannot pass through. It will thus be suspended. And so your good old friend, Candida albicans, is going to grow exponentially in size to go and eat up all of the excess sugar out of the blood. Does that answer your question? So the truth is that those of you dealing with the Candida imbalance, which is a lot of people today, if you know anyone with toenail fungus or any of those symptoms I mentioned, Often they're eating too much fat, yeah. usually in the form of processed oils. This is what I did my master's thesis on, a concept called the nutrition transition, whereby we're eating way more processed foods like sugar and wheat, right? other things like hydrogenated oils, and also just more oil in general, and way more fat from other sources like animal protein. And this has been correlated with a huge rise in diet and lifestyle-related disease. Okay. And so other studies of mine under a man named Colin T. Campbell, the author of the China study, right, what we, the work we do is, is to actually reveal the fact that the five most prevalent maladies of today, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune diseases, and obesity, are all not only completely preventable, but reversible, plausible, through diet and lifestyle change alone. Right, and maybe some emotional work. So that's big, right? Because when was the last time you had someone diagnosed and they thought that it was over, right? Or the doctor was the only one who knew anything. And so I'm, I'm a group of a team of doctors who are actually now saying, no, there's another way. We can shift a few things in, in your diet and lifestyle. And so life is exciting these days. I'm, I'm doing a lot of research in that realm. I'm doing a lot of research in the realm of, of probiotics and good bacteria. And so if you want to stay connected to me, please do. Um, we can talk more about this stuff forever long. Um, let's do food politics next week if you're here. <laughs> um, does that answer your sugar question? Yeah? Cool. So the, the, I'll just solidify it. That sugar, the inflammation actually causes adrenal fatigue as well. Because that response of inflammation is stressful to the body. And so adrenal fatigue isn't only about the hard boss or the nagging mom. <laughs> Right? It's not only about the news on TV. Right? You know when you watch a movie and it's really scary and you feel that in your body? Well, your brain doesn't understand that that's a movie. Your brain thinks it's happening to you. So be careful about what you watch. Right? I only watch romantic comedies. So. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> so there we go. All right, There we have it. But a lot of the problems in our world have to do with our lifestyle. And the more mindful we can be, right? the more we hydrate, the more we poop, the more we laugh, and the more we love the better off everything's going to be. So I always try to say this every lecture, whoever's been here before, how many times are we supposed to poop? 
Once per meal per day, that should be news to most of you. Something comes in, something goes out, just like babies, just like dogs. Yeah, so come back next week and I'll tell you how to poop more. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Subscribe to my email or something and I say it all the time. Can't say it enough, all right? So um, you guys with questions, are you okay? Do you want to come talk to me after? You're okay? I'll talk to you after. You talk to me after? All right. All right. Oh, my God, thank you. I didn't even go there. See, I tend to do this. I tend to tell people to just change their lives, and then I, like, leave out the recommendations. Thank you for that. And she had also asked. So alternative sugar recommendations. Well, my question is, why do you want things sweet? Most of the time, it's because you're not either hydrated or you're not eating enough calories. Most people in the world today are dehydrated. Your body uses and loses three liters of water per day. You have a responsibility to replenish that. Other things like coffee, alcohol, salty food, right? Animal products, bread, etc., 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 also dehydrate you. So that's probably the problem for most people. That's why you want sweet things. Because your body's saying, give me something. Maybe you're eating not enough calories, right? If you're trying to live a healthy lifestyle, maybe you eat a lot of vegetables, which are very low in calories. You'll always have this desire for more. That often has to do with not having enough calories, all right, so I'm going to recommend that you get more calories from those mangoes, maybe. Right? Don't eat just one. Mango season's coming up. Eat five. Right? Blend them. You won't notice there are five. You'll love it. Okay? Chew it in your mouth because most digestion of carbohydrates happens in the mouth. Right? Sugars need to be broken down in the mouth. Very important part of digestion. And then you probably won't feel like you need dessert. Okay? So I just did a no answer answer to her question. <laughs> But if you're going to ask for sugar substitutes, um, if you will use any processed food, because mind you, sugar substitutes are processed food, whether it's stevia, have you heard of stevia? It's a plant that when condensed, it's 100 times sweeter than sugar, right? And it's all natural, except when it's made in the laboratory into a white powdered substance. Or coconut palm sugar, also processed, we use it in Bali, but it's very mineral dense, all right? It comes from the inflorescences, the inflorescences, the flowers of the coconut palm tree, right? And the sap from the flowers is then processed. It's a really beautiful thing. If you guys want to learn more about coconut palm sugar, which I highly recommend you do, my good friend Ben Ripple has a video online on Vimeo. So search Ben Ripple, or his company is Big Tree Farms, yeah? And he has a coconut palm sugar video. It's gorgeous. You get to see the women in Bali making it. That's the one that I would recommend if you need to have one. It's low glycemic, but it's still sugar, still sugar, all right? As for honey, it's medicinal, right? Most commercial honey today, the bees are actually fed sugar. I kid you not. You know, that's what honey is. It's the bees making their own food for the winter. And so we humans come in and we're like, ah, I'm going to take it from you. And then they give sugar instead to the bees for the winter. Right? So then what do you think their next round of honey is going to be? Sugar honey? Yeah. So um, that's a bit dangerous, but like really good, high quality raw sugar. I'm doing, I told you studies on probiotics. Um, I posted something on my Facebook page a few weeks ago that blew me away, right? We're doing research now that shows that the honey that comes from bees is actually like a trace dose of bacteria from trillions of years ago, right? That in the digestive system of honeybees, that they still have this bacteria, and so it comes into the honey. And this is perhaps why it's such a great medicinal food. But I, I don't want to say medicinal food, I want to say medicine. 
That's why honey is a medicine, so it should not be used as a sweetener because there's no fibrous matrix there. Guess where that's going? Same place as white sugar. All right, have I said enough? Did that answer? Are you happy? All right, I'm fasting. I gotta go home and put my legs up the wall. <laughs> All right, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, I invite you please to come up here and take a picture of this. This is the Facebook page that I mentioned. I post here every day. And it's great. We're finally getting a forum going and people comment and people ask questions. And that's the purpose of this, that this conversation doesn't have to end here. Yeah, I want you to keep thinking about things like this. I also have a mailing list where I send out stuff like uh, recordings or notes or free yoga videos. And if you want to get on my mailing list, then come and send your email in there. Um, And remember that you're beautiful and amazing and powerful. That's where we started tonight. And that you don't have to change anything. All right, I'll see you next time. Ciao. Good question. I'm fasting. You're fasting. No, I'm fasting. So. On fasting, yes. Yeah. So. Incredible people, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.